0: The following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. I want to welcome you to Fellowship Bible Church, both in person and I trust online as well. All right, good. Okay, we're going to invite Brother James to come and lead us in our teaching now. Thank you, Brother. Good morning. Last week, I said we were going to turn our Bibles to the book of Amos. But I also said that that was going to be the end of our study in the book of Amos for now. There's a reason I said for now, because we should continue to visit Amos as the years go on. And so we never leave a book with the idea that we're never coming back to it again. But as a focus point, a focal point for the class, we move on to different passages. One of the things that I was thinking about as I was working my way towards the end of the book of Amos is the idea, so what would I attempt to focus on next? And you recall how when we were studying Amos, we talked about, those prophecies of the judgment that was going to come. And that the judgment was coming in the form of the Assyrians and that it was going to come in approximately within 40 years. And it came in the form of the Assyrian Empire coming in and the place with a major deportation. And so that was an awful thing. And so we heard all those messages that Amos gave. Having come out of the southern kingdom, he went into the northern kingdom, and he was proclaiming the words of the living God. And he said, these are what the problems are. And if they don't get corrected, this is what's going to happen. They didn't get corrected. And the judgment happened. And so that became a historical fact. Well, we know from scripture that Judah knew what happened with the northern kingdom, with the Assyrians. And in fact, I would say most of Judah also came under devastation from the invasion of the Assyrians. And, in fact, Jerusalem was spared because of uh, Hezekiah and going to the Lord and interceding. It was the intent of the Assyrians to take Jerusalem, but they couldn't do it. So now after this kingdom now has had all these prophets, not just Amos, and Judah saw what happened, And it's interesting when you look at different portions of the scripture, you will see that God would talk about how the northern kingdom did what they did and Judah saw it and followed right in their footsteps to the same result. That's, when we think about that, we say, well, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Well, we can say that, but that's the reality of what happened, and many times it happens individually or personally, with us like that too, that we see things, and we see where they lead, and somehow we find ourselves going right down the same same track. So there's a lot to learn, principles to grasp, and things of that sort. So then, when I was looking, and I was thinking, well, if I could... Maybe next focus on a minor prophet that comes after the Assyrian invasion, but before the Babylonians came in and devastated Judah with their deportation. And then I thought, well, I looked at Nahum, and I've been getting to read and do some background work on that, and I said, well, maybe that would be a good one. Because in in the book of Nahum, it's a really a fascinating book and different uh, there are different I don't know what you can say forms of speech that are used there are poetry and, and different things like that it's kind of dramatic speech in some points and that but it speaks about Nineveh and how God was bringing judgment to Nineveh and he was going to do that now one of the interesting things that I found about that is So Nineveh was being used against the northern kingdom in 722, and that was God's doing because they were his instrument of judgment upon Judah. But Nineveh had done all kinds of evil deeds to lots of of people, including the northern kingdom. And so I purpose to now focus our attention for a while in the book of Nahum but not starting today. <laughs> I set you up, didn't I? <laughs> okay, but just to give an idea of where I was going. But during the course of my preparation, you know, I began to think about, about what it is that we're, we're trying to do, what it is I'm trying to do. And so I put down a question that will be the focus of today. And that question is simply this, What are we to do with our Bibles? What are we to do with our Bibles? Most of us probably have many of them. So what are we to do with them? There are a lot of things we ought to do with them. And reading reading them is one of those. And I guess we could say that's really What might be called ground zero that's where where everything starts and i see a beautiful little face that's paying such attention i think i had better get everything right so that beautiful little baby won't get any wrong impression (laughs) but many many years ago i read uh began to read systematically through the Bible. But first time, I think the first time I actually read all the way through was through the use of a seven-volume set. My mother-in-law was the instrumental person who got me going on that particular reading program, my wife's mom. So it was the King James Version. It was in seven little volumes. And so that would make it easy to carry, you know, you can carry the one volume that you're reading in and then when you got done with that one, you could lay it on the side and start with the next one. And so I did. And they had things in the beginning of it to give you some ideas on you know, how to handle the Bible, what to do, and all that sort of thing. But one of the things is that they told you how many pages to read each day if you wanted to read through in one year. And so that number was five. So you read five pages a day. You get through the whole Bible in one year. So... If you read if you could read 5, 10, 15, 20, however many you chose. And if you stayed on the bottom, then you would get through the Bible. So I chose 20. <laughs> I chose 20 pages per day. So what happened then is I read through the Bible all the way through four times that year. And, and that was good. Because what it did for me is it gave me familiarity with portions of scripture that I had no familiarity with before. And that enabled me then when I was listening to people teaching or preaching from a section, they they really couldn't visit a section that I hadn't that I had no exposure to because I had gone through that many times. Now I haven't read through the Bible four times in one year since then. Ironically, I thought at that time that I would never read through the Bible fewer than four times per year for the rest of my life. (laughs) How naive I was. But anyway, reading is not all there is uh, to the Bible. But reading, obviously, is one thing that's important. In 2019, I chose two Bible reading plans. And I got through those, and I read through those, and they were set up differently, which is the reason I chose those two. I wanted what was in each of those, and that was an enjoyable thing, and I enjoyed that. Now, the program that I had for last year, I just had one. I completed it on January 18th, and so for me, my Bible reading year didn't begin this year until the 18th of January, but I decided I would finish what I had from the prior year before I started the new one. And uh, but then when I looked back at the one from the prior year, I, I, I noted there that I started on January 10th in 2020, which means then that the completion of the second of those two that I read through for 19 wasn't completed until the 10th, and I waited until I finished that before I started the next one. So that's just an encouragement. At the beginning of each year, Pastor Matt always encourages us to make a systematic plan for reading through our Bibles. And so he's made available a lot of different uh, Bible reading plans. So they're available online. They're available in the Bibles and books. uh, They're just everywhere. Plans are there. So plans are good because with a plan, we're more likely to get the thing done than with no plan. And if we have a plan and we kind of track, so even if we get, don't keep it systematically up every day, we kind of can know where we are to reach the goal of having gone through all of the material within, the, you know, in some form all the way through. So what Pastor Matt would encourage us to do is grab a plan and go at it. I think that's good admonition. Because what we're saying is that we have here, we're saying we have God's word, what God has for us to know and to understand, and we should pay attention to it. We ought to take some time with it. And that's what... We are emphasizing, and so when we say, "Well, what are we to do with our Bibles?" In the beginning, or in the front portion of the MacArthur Study Bible, there is a chapter there that says how to study the Bible. It's a very good little chapter. It's short; we can all, you know, read it. And much of what I'm going to say here, I have. Borrow from what he put in his I, I don't have it presented exactly the way he does but you can go there if you would like to see uh, what he suggested we know that Bible study can take a lot of different uh, levels for example when I study the Bible I don't read the Greek and see what it says I don't read the Hebrew to see what it says. I don't read the portions that are in Aramaic to see what those are saying, <laughs> right? And I think probably all of us who I'm looking at right now are in the same as I am. So what that means then is right off the top we understand that what we're reading is a translation. So we talk about the God's word and it being in in Aaron's and all those kinds of things and but we are looking, our eyes are looking at a translation, good translations, but so we'll see some variations here and there in the translations, but uh, we can be confident in what we have and there are different levels of what we can do to try to help ourselves to get a proper understanding of what it is that the Lord has. So the first, now what I have In my next section here is what I call first principles for effective Bible study. First principles for effective Bible study. Salvation, spirit filling, a desire for the pure milk of the word, searching the scriptures, and being holy that if we would have those things, then we would clearly be able to engage in effective Bible study. Salvation is, of course, the beginning. And the importance of that can't be overemphasized, how important it is that salvation is. Sometimes people talk about or debate how much people who are not saved, who, who, who have not been born again, who are not true Christians can really understand the, the, the essence or the meaning of uh, what the scriptures are teaching. I'm not going there. But what I want to do now is to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is the Apostle Paul, and here what he says. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word that I preached to you, unless you believe it in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, the third day, according to the scriptures. So now he says Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and without those, there is no salvation. In verse 5. And that he was seen by Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. But some have fallen asleep. And so what he's saying then is we are attesting, to a historical reality, actuality, not a fiction, but a reality. So when we say the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, we're not talking mysticism, but we're talking about actual historical fact with demonstrated evidence through these witnesses. If you ever thought that there were witnesses whose credibility was solid, these witnesses had credibility that was solid. And so with solid credibility in the witnesses, you can trust what they're saying. And that's what this says. After that, he was seen by James. Then all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. But I am the least of the apostles and I'm not worthy I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God and so effective first principles for effective Bible study, salvation given that I had a spiritual word here for the second one I'm going to read just a few verses here with regard to that in Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. First Peter talks about a desire regarding the word of God. I'm going to read there in First Peter chapter 2. In verses 1 to 3. Now I'm looking to see if I have put down the correct one. Oh, I'm in the wrong. Peter. Okay, that's why it doesn't look right. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. Therefore lay on aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And so that's a desire there. Then searching the scriptures. I talked about reading. And now this next portion talks about searching the scriptures. There's a contrast given here about two groups of people. And the approach that each took to the word of the Lord. One of them was commended, and the other was not. Now, let me turn now to Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, here is the section that I have. Acts chapter 17. verse 10 and obviously I'm breaking right into the middle of the context here but I think you can get the point then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea when they arrived they went into the synagogue of the Jews these were more fair minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and search the scriptures daily to find out whether those things were true. So this is a contrast. He's saying these two people, groups, had an approach. One was commended and one was not to be recommended. And so we're saying, searching the scriptures. And so that's more than just speed read through and say, okay, I got it. No, check it. <laughs> but it's more involved than that. And then 1 Peter 1 says, be holy. Be holy. Chapter 1 of 1 Peter 13 to 15. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, are conforming yourselves to the form of lust, as in your ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, also you also be holy in all your conduct. That's a high calling. So we have these things then, what I have called the first principles for effective Bible study. So you would note then that under my term effective Bible study, that there can be people who are seriously studying the Bible who are not effectively studying the Bible if if they don't fit what I have here because I put salvation at the top of there. Okay. Now, the next topic that I put in, and I'll select one small portion of scripture for that. But then I said, the importance of study in the Bible and in a Psalm, I have Psalm 19 and verses 7 through 11. And this is what it says. The law... Of the Lord is perfect, converting converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired of they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter than honey and the honeycomb, moreover by them your servant is worn, and in keeping them there is great reward. Worn, that's an interesting word there. Moreover by them your servant is worn, See, that's what we were saying when we were walking through Amos. Is that God had raised up prophets, He had sent them in to warn the people. God did that for them. Now, uh the next topic here is benefits of studying the, the Bible. Or yeah, that's I'm going to John chapter 17 for that one. In John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is a very fascinating chapter. I think you find it intriguing as I do each time you read through there. Because in the first part of that chapter. It starts out. It says Jesus spoke these words. Lifted up his eyes to heaven and said. Now we just mentioned the death, the burial the resurrection of Christ this same Christ is praying these words and it's, it's a prayer that is, has such reach that it's, it's marvelous to behold, so I'm going to read quite a number of verses here, beginning chapter 17 of John beginning verse 1, and I think I'll read through verse 19 Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. As you have given him authority of all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you and the you the true the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent i have glorified you on the earth i have finished the work which you have given me to do and you and now O father glorify me together with yourself with the glory which i had with you before the world was I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, And they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. Now, the Lord Jesus says this. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may know that we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. And then in verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, what a wonderful prayer that is. So, what should we do with our Bibles? I think we're seeing what we should do with them. Now, here are some of the notes that I lifted from MacArthur's uh, study Bible. And I call called these Bible study basics here. Now, so there are four things listed here. Reading is the first one of those. So reading, rereading, creative reading, continuous reading. So why don't I say all those? it's interesting, I think um, MacArthur gave an idea of one way that someone might approach a passage is is to select a portion, let's say a book, a small book, and read the whole thing through every day for 30 days. And that will really bring some familiarity with what that one says. That's that's one thing that a person can do. So just reading, attending to the word. But then there's the matter of interpretation. And so with interpretation, the idea is that, so not what does it mean to me, but what does it mean in its context? And then, uh, so we do that. And then evaluation. So here's the idea of evaluation is we go in and we get certain interpretations, but we want our interpretations to be accurate. And one way to go about assessing that is to compare those with other good, Bible uh, teachers and preachers, and see how how they get it and what they understand. And that can help us avoid certain errors. And then there's that point of application. So, how what does it mean for me? So that does come in. I remember one time I heard a preacher say, "You know, he," because it seemed to me that that was a jumping from the text to the application. And what McCarthy is suggesting here is not so fast. Let's try to get that interpretation correct. First, let's try to understand what it was for the people who were were the original audience before we try to see what can it be for me. And then the whole idea of correlating, the idea of we find, see, we have a doctrinal statement in our uh, church. But you would notice that on the, each of those things that are listed as a doctrine, you don't find a, a, I don't think you can find any single one that has just one single verse, right? Because there are coalescent of verses and portions that support what we are saying this is a doctrine, but it's supported through, and that's, so that's the idea of correlating. Now, a, a few errors to avoid. Not making the Bible say something that it doesn't say. Be mindful to avoid superficial interpretation. And that was, no, I just said, superficial interpretation, just going in with the idea of, okay, I'm looking to and see what, is, what, what, what does it mean to me. Or a couple of us get together and say, okay, you tell me what it means to you, I'll tell you what it means to me. Okay, we've done the nice next little Bible study, we've our way. That's, uh, you want to avoid that sort of approach but also not to be mystical in how we look at the scriptures, not to think in terms of everything's a mystical thing, but rather to consider what is a normal, literal, historical, grammatical sense of the passage. Now, that's a lot, normal, literal, historical, grammatical. But what we're saying is that, we're saying that is a contrast to just some kind of a, a mystical idea because, when you read certain other mystics who are referring to scripture they all have they're all over the place as to what the text is what they're getting out of it and so there's no stable ground but you follow an approach like this and you can have a stable ground now the, uh, one of another thing here gaps uh, to bridge and, and again these are MacArthur's ideas here but we all understand these things gaps to bridge there are four of them listed here. Well, let's see how are there are four. Yeah, there are four of them listed here. Language. We know that, the, and I said that in the outset, that what we're looking at is not, that what I'm reading here, that's not the original language in which the text was rendered. So Greek and Hebrew and small portions of Aramaic, those were the original languages. So we are, just be mindful of that. Uh, now that we have to go and learn all those languages well, and then before we can make any progress, that's not the point. But it's good to be aware that that's the situation. But then there are also cultural things. So sometimes if we are not understanding the culture in which the message was given, we might miss things that we might otherwise not miss. And sometimes we can look at a Bible commentary or dictionary or an encyclopedia and get some idea of the cultural things, and that can help us from just putting our cultural template on it. And then taken away from it that way. So that's what we're trying to avoid. That's putting our cultural template on the thing, but rather to, to understand a bit more of what the culture was that they had. And then geography, uh, some of the portions, you, you can be understood better if we understood better the geography. going up to Jerusalem, <laughs> you know, different things. Uh, and then history. Now, in the Bible see, so we see historical records of things, events and people. Historical; it's not just made-up stuff. Uh, you can read a lot of uh, religious books and of other religions, and they, they have nothing comparable to what we have. And so, archaeological studies have helped people to see that the Bible are actually recorded uh, literal historical events, events that people said didn't, couldn't have happened. But then the archaeologist comes along and says, "Well, actually." Uh, well, actually, there was a place called that, and there is evidence that it happened. Well, we already knew that. How do we know? Well, God had already told us. We had it in our Bibles, right? The fact that they didn't know it didn't affect the truth of the matter. It was true, right? So that's that's it. So, no, so we have those principles and, and that sort of thing. So that's, that's all I'm going to say there on that. I hope that's been helpful. It's been helpful for me. Because when I try to prepare something, and Pastor Matt knows, (laughs) he always tries to encourage me, because I always feel my inadequacy. And, And he said, don't get too hung up on that. So the goal is then to keep working at it. And that's an encouragement for all of us. So let's pray now. Our Father, we thank you for giving to us the privilege to have your son, the Lord Jesus, who have prayed for us in John chapter 17 as is recorded there. We're looking for the help of the Lord day by day. Oh, how we know we need it. We pray in his precious name with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention.